Open your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 6. For using the Pew Bible, you can find it on page 862. Jesus has called his first apostles. He's been preaching to a large crowd. And he's speaking of a number of ways that those who trust in him can be blessed. And at the same time, he also pronounces woes upon others. Woes upon those who do not embrace him in faith. Today we look at the last beatitude that Luke records for us, um, and that's found in verses 22 and 23, but I'll go ahead and begin reading in verse 20. Um, Let's turn our attention again to the reading of God's holy, living, and inerrant word. Luke writes, speaking of Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all people speak well of you, for so their fathers did to the false prophets. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is God's word for you today. The grass may wither and the flower may fade, but the word of the Lord will endure forever. Pray with me, please. Lord, this is a challenging word for us today, that we should see it as a blessing when people hate us for your name's sake. Lord, through the power of your spirit working in concert with your holy word, make this word be effectual in our lives. Lord, so that we might have a faith that can endure. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Well, this is an important word. It's an important word for us, but but this has actually been an important word for Christians throughout the world and throughout the ages. Let's consider first how this would be an important word for Jesus' hearers in his day. These words are spoken very early at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's just chosen those 12 men who will be his apostles. And right away, right here, Christ hints at the persecution that will come to those who follow him. It's as if he's given his disciples a heads up to the hatred, to the vitriol that may very well be soon coming their way. And of course, that will indeed happen. We learn, for instance, in Acts 12 that that Herod will kill one of the 12 apostles, James. Church history, church tradition tells us that all of Christ's 12 apostles, except for John and Judas, who of course would take his own life, all of the other apostles would meet a violent death, being martyred for their faith. 
This was an important word of preparation for them. In this talk of of being hated and being reviled, Jesus also hints, of course, at what will soon come to him. Later, he'll be more explicit, saying that he too will be reviled and be called evil, and even that he'll die at the hands of sinful men. This was an important word for those hearers of Jesus' day. This was also an important word for the the people who would have been among the first readers of Luke's gospel. We understand that this gospel written by Luke was probably written in the early to mid-60s of the first century. That would have been just before or right as the great persecution that Christians experienced throughout the Roman Empire would happen at the hands of Nero. And for the next 200 years following that. Persecutions which, which would have included having pitch, tar, or other fuel pour upon the living crucified bodies of Christians. And then them being lit on fire. Them being used as human torches. Blessed are you, Jesus says. Blessed are you, though, when people hate you and when they revile you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. This was an important word for the first readers of Luke's gospel in the first and second and third centuries. But it wasn't limited to that era either. This this is an important word for Christians throughout the ages. I spent time this week being reminded of some of the Christian martyrs from throughout the ages this week. I was reminded this week of stories about men such as Roland Taylor, an Anglican pastor who was killed for teaching in opposition to the Catholic Church in 1555. As he was being led to the stake on which he'd be burned, he said to his wife and children, They are blessed, those who die in the Lord. God cares for the sparrows and for the hairs of our head. I have found him far more faithful, far more favorable than is any father or husband. Trust ye therefore in him. Believe, love, fear, and obey him. Pray to him, for he has promised to help. Count me not dead, for I shall surely live and never die. Yes, I go before you, but you shall follow after to our heavenly home. The same year, several other Anglican pastors were also martyred for the faith. Among them, men like John Hooper and Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley. Latimer is said to have said to Ridley as the torches were set to the stakes that they were tied to, Be of good comfort. Play the man, Master Ridley, as I am convinced that we shall this day light such a candle that by God's grace in all of England shall never be extinguished. Beloved, that's what it looks like to rejoice and to leap for joy when you face hatred and persecution for the cause of Christ. 
A man named John Rogers continued the work of William Tyndale of translating the Bible into English. English. He too was martyred for his work, as was Tyndale. Rogers' children were said to be present at his execution, where he too was burned at the stake. As their father was nearing his death, as he was being consumed by the flames, his father are said to have shouted encouragements to him through their tears that he would stay strong and not dishonor his Lord. How is that possible? How is it possible that these people who who faced this type of hatred, this type of persecution could endure in such ways? Well, it's possible when one trusts in this promise of Jesus that there is blessing that comes when you are hated for his name. They trusted that blessedness and that a great reward in heaven awaited them. That's what enabled Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that German pastor and theologian who died at the hands of the Nazis in 1945, to say as he was being led up to the gallows to hang, when he said, this is the end, but for me, truly, it is the beginning. These are important words to the Christian. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on the account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for great is your reward in heaven. These were important words to the hearers in Jesus' days. These were important words to the first readers of the Gospel of Luke. And these have been important words to Christians throughout the ages. And of course, these are important words for you and I as well. Because we too can experience, and and we should actually expect to experience ostracism for our faith in Christ. Because God's word actually tells us that everyone who is following Jesus will be persecuted in some way. 2 Timothy 3.12 All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Isn't that a remarkable statement? All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Why is that? Well, that's because of the nature of the Christian life as it butts up against the nature of the sinfulness of mankind. There'll be hatred and hostility and animosity because those things reside in the human heart. I mean, just think of how Jesus was hated. Jesus came and he preaches mercy and love and forgiveness and righteousness and reconciliation with the Father. And how is that responded to? The authorities hate him 
and they eventually kill him. And Jesus says that we shouldn't be surprised if the world responds that very same way to us. In John 15, in verses 18 through 25, after calling his disciples to a ministry of love, Jesus says this, If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Because, but that the word is, that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. Now, why would the world hate someone who's a follower of Jesus? Well, some may hate you because they hate the light. That's what John says in chapter 3 of his gospel. There in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 3, John says that the unrighteous hate the light because the light exposes their evil. John's saying everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works would be exposed. That's actually John quoting Christ. And of course, Christ is the light of the world. But we also remember that Christ says that we too who trust in him are also the light of the world. As we show forth, as we reflect his image. And so as you seek to honor the Lord by the way in which you live, there are those who may hate you for that. Because your righteousness shines the light on their unrighteousness. And so as you affirm the sanctity of human life, you might be hated by those who don't. As you seek to control your tongue, you might be slandered and mocked and reviled by those who don't. And as you seek to live according to the biblical sexual ethic, you reveal the unrighteousness of those who don't. And so to seek to justify themselves and their actions, the sad, natural, sin-affected response of the unrighteous can at times be that they'll hate you and and revile you and exclude you and call you evil and even persecute you. Why else can hatred and being reviled and being excluded come to the Christian? Well, look at verse 22. Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. The Christian will be reviled because of Jesus. We can be reviled for the sake of righteousness, and we can be reviled because of Jesus. Again, John 15, the world hates Jesus. And outside of God's intervening work in their lives, the world can also quite readily 
imitate those who follow him. But don't miss this, that Jesus pronounces a blessing upon all those who are hated as they are living rightly, showing forth his light, his glory. Now, recognize this, though. Jesus is not saying here that that you'll be blessed if you're excluded and reviled for being a jerk. He's not saying that you'll be blessed when you engage in unrighteous behavior that demeans his name, and then people might not respond to that because of our own sinful, offensive behavior. 1 Peter 2 speaks of this. What credit is it if when you sin you are beaten? But if you do good and suffer for it and you endure, that is a gracious thing in the sight of God. These are important words for us as as an encouragement to help us endure when hatred may come our way. But these words should also serve as a kind of challenge to us. And I say that because maybe we're not being rejected. Maybe we're not being hated because of the cause of Christ. And why might that be? Well, maybe it's because we're guilty of living our lives as a kind of secret agent for Jesus. And no one can tell that we're a Christian. Maybe we're not showing forth the righteousness of Christ as we could. Maybe we're not standing up for the cause of Christ as often as we could. Maybe too often we we fail to shine forth the light of Christ through our lives. Here I think of Christ's challenging words in Matthew 10, 26 through 33, speaking of exactly this kind of situation. There Jesus says, What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. What you hear whispered, proclaim from the rooftops. Do not fear those who can kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy, meaning destroy both the soul and body in hell, meaning the Lord. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your knowledge. But even the hairs of your head are numbered. Fear not, for you are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. And here's what we have to understand. We can essentially deny Jesus by not speaking forth his truth, by not living intentionally for his glory according to his precepts. Now, we ought not seek to be offensive But if no one is ever being offended for our living for the cause of Christ, then maybe we're not really living for the cause of Christ 
in a manner in which the Lord would have us do. But Christ's call for us is to live for His glory. Again, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be, sh- be hidden. Nor do people put a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all those in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give praise to your Father in heaven. Now again, that said, let's remember though that while it's true that we are called to speak the truth, let's always remember that we're also called to speak the truth in love. Ephesians 4, 28 or 29 is it? Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only that which is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that it may give grace, so that it may build up those who hear. That's the way in which we ought to seek to engage others in conversation. And if we do that, if we speak in that way, if we show love to others in that way and persecution and hatred still comes our way in that occasion Jesus says rejoice and be glad rejoice if you're hated for your testimony of faith in him leap for joy how is it that he can say such a thing well again it's because of the blessing of the Lord that accompanies experiencing opposition for his sake. Great is your reward in heaven, Jesus says. For so the people did to the prophets. Here I think of the joy that Peter and the other apostles experienced after they had been arrested and beaten for declaring the name of Jesus. We're told in Acts 5.41 that upon being released, They left rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name of Jesus. Paul says very much the same thing in Colossians 1.24. It's one of the greatest privileges of all of life to share in the sufferings of Christ. That's what scripture says. But do we believe that? But that's what Paul tells us in Philippians 3. When he says, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. That by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. We're to have an eternal perspective. We can face hatred and persecution in this life because a great reward awaits us in the next life. And that reward is nothing less than an eternity spent in the presence of the Son and the Father. We can endure being rejected and excluded and even being hated by others. And we can endure those things. Why? 
because the Father's love rests upon us. We can endure having others hate us if the Father loves us. We can endure having others despise us if Christ affirms us. And they do. If you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, then Jesus is your friend. That's what he says in John 15, 15. And not only does Jesus now call us his friend, but the Father now calls you his beloved daughter, his beloved son. For you are children of the King. 1 John 3, 1. See what kind of love the Father has lavished upon us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. So remember these words of Jesus. And remember the example of Jesus. 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23 speaks of this. There Peter says, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. When Christ was reviled, he did not revile in return. And when he suffered, he did not threaten. But he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Facing hatred from others, Christ entrusted himself to the Father. Being persecuted by others, being hung upon the cross for sins which he did not commit, rather than to revile those who placed him there on the cross. He prayed for them, and he asked that the Father would forgive them their sins. Christ entrusted himself to the Father, and he entrusted himself to the Father's plan of redemption. And that's what we see here in this table that's set before us. To secure you for redemption. To turn you from a state of being objects destined for wrath. Through his obedience in life and his obedience unto death, even death on the cross. The Lord Jesus allowed himself to be hated to the point of crucifixion. So that the love of the Father could rest upon you. And for that, he received a reward great in heaven. And there the Father highly exalted him and gave to him the name that it is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that he is the Lord to the glory of the Father. So we follow and we take strength from the example of Jesus and from the example of the apostles and early Christians and from the example and encouragement that we find from the saints and martyrs throughout the ages and even today from persecuted Christians throughout the world. And we learn from them and we pray for them that their faith would endure. And we also pray that our faith might be strengthened by we see their example, their testimony of trusting in the Lord, believing that the reward that awaits for those who endure to the end 
will be great, great in heaven. Let's pray to that effect now. Lord God, help us to believe. Help us to trust. Help us to believe that it's okay for other 13 and 14 year olds to mock us if we say we don't want to engage in unrighteousness because we are a follower of Christ. Help us, Lord, to stand up under the pressure of other 17 and 18 year olds to engage in unrighteousness. Allow us to be excluded from being part of that supposed in crowd because they know we are part of your family. Help us to stand up under the pressures of this world that says that it's okay to engage in sexual activity outside of marriage. Lord, maybe even some people won't even ask us out because they know um, that they will not have success in seeking us um, to enter into that type of lifestyle. Help us, Lord, to, to speak when it is right for us to speak. Help us to say no when the occasion calls for us to say no. May none of us be like a secret agent hiding in the darkness, hiding our identity. But Lord, give us all a proper, gentle but firm boldness to say, I am a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, Lord, so that we would have attention and honor be brought to us, but only that attention would be brought to you. When our light shines, we acknowledge that it shines not because of anything in us, but only because it reflects the glory of the light that is you. Help us, Lord, to shine forth your glory through the way in which we live and let the consequences that may come come being confident that the reward of honoring you with our life is greater than any negative consequence that may come in this life but Lord to live that way consistently we need your help we need your spirit, and we need for, your strength, for our faith to be strengthened. Lord, strengthen our faith through your spirit. Strengthen our faith through our brothers and sisters in Christ as we watch them hold up under persecution. And Lord, strengthen our faith even through this holy meal which we are about to partake of. Lord, enable us to partake of this of the sacrament of your supper um, in an honorable way. And Lord, may it give us strength for the journey. We pray this all in your holy name. Amen.